Welcome to the Dry Ground Project podcast. Our goal is to create a global community of professionals caring for young adults aged out of orphanages and foster care. That's what we do. I'm your host, Callie. And I'm your co-host, Amanda. Welcome to the Dry Ground Project podcast. Let's jump into today's episode. Welcome back to the Dry Ground Project podcast. This is episode seven of season two, and we... (laughs) We have recorded this already. I feel like this is a rite of passage for any online content creator, be it podcasting, video, whatever. You lose footage and you have to redo what you've done. And that's exactly what happened to us. And what we're doing today is re-recording an episode about sharing your vision, how to market and fundraise for your organization. And we've already done this once. Mm-hmm. And when we did it, we were like, well, that was great because this is something we're really good at, we think. At least, you know, hopefully I am because it's my job and my title, marketing director for Lighthouse Transitional Care. Um, but now we're going to do it again. So it's going to be even better. So lucky you listening to this podcast episode. Yeah. And and should we like paint a picture of for course. our listeners? Yeah. There's another fun thing about this episode. Since our last episode, we've been kicked out of our studio. It was less aggressive than that, but yes, we lost access to to the space we were using for free to record our podcast. So we've come up with another solution. And that, yeah, please describe it. And that solution is um, the the culmination of of years of vision for me. Um, I started my uh, very first fort building adventures when I was very young. Did we all? uh, Well, apparently not, Jonathan. Um, but I did. And so we are sitting between two very floppy mattresses being held up by a table. And on top of those mattresses is like a, what would you call this? Like an egg carton foam board thing. Yeah, I don't know the technical term. Um, we're in a tent. Mm-hmm. All snug. Of our own making. And cozy. Uh, to Donated re- materials and free from Facebook Marketplace. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So... And, and this is where we're at. What else do we need? We really climbed the... We're the talking about marketing and how professional we are. Yep. So just uh, just know that we're human. Very human. But yes, we are talking about sharing our vision and why it's important and why organizations should consider investing time and resources into sharing their vision. So what do you think is the value of sharing the vision? Well, I'd like to start with a definition of marketing and a traditional definition is promoting or selling products or services. And as a nonprofit, you may or may not be doing that specifically. You may or may not be selling products or services to um, benefit some social cause. Our service is helping young adults reach healthy adulthood and heal healing from trauma and sharing Christ with them. Um, and really I think the importance of marketing for organizations like ours is sharing our story, sharing what we're doing, because we are completely funded through donations from either private individuals or churches. And there is a high value in sharing what we're doing for those audiences, um, to bolster their confidence in what we're doing, to inspire them to continue to give. And that's why we do what we do. Um, I like thinking of marketing more like storytelling, telling the story of our organization, explaining why we're here, what benefit we're having in the lives of the youth that we serve. Mm -hmm. What do you think, Amanda? 
I think that marketing has become more and more important in the nonprofit sphere as like organizations are learning that we, you know, we need to function in a professional way to kind of keep up with the pace of other markets and to stand out from the crowd a little bit. But there's also an element of accountability, right? If we're not sharing our story, then our donors don't know what's happening, um, particularly because we work internationally. So it's really essential for us to know how and where to tell our story so that our supporters that are back in the States or in other parts of the world know what's happening here and know how their funds are getting used and feel connected to the mission and the organization. And so it is a lot of work, right? And it's a lot of intentional um, kind of time poured into researching where and what platforms and how much to share on each of those. But it's um, definitely worth it to make sure that our donors feel like they're a part of what's happening. Yeah, A secondary audience for us is perspective youth, perspective students, so they can also see what we're doing and hopefully be inspired to come get involved. Um, but yeah, I like what you said, Amanda, about the value in marketing. Um, and as a CEO, founder of an organization, I know the answer to this question, but <laughs> did you always believe that marketing was important? What was your kind of thought about marketing and fundraising and sharing mm-hmm. when you first founded The Lighthouse? Yeah, when I first founded The Lighthouse, as you know, I got you involved really, really quickly um, before I could even like pay you anything, <laughs> which thankfully you're a great friend and a good volunteer uh, and you jumped in to help. But I believed from the very offset that it was really important to have a brand for the organization. Um, and there were a few reasons I did that. One was in my past experience working with nonprofits. A lot of different organizations didn't really seem to value um, telling their story quite as much as I did. And I saw that really hindered their mission. Um, You know, they were losing support. They were losing an audience that had previously believed in what they were doing. And it was because that audience felt disconnected. And so valuing that that donor support, prayer support, um, is, is really essential and, and including them as a part of the team, right. And making that, that effort. So it's always been very important to me. Yeah. And it may or may not be important for other CEOs and presidents of organizations, uh, directors of organizations. If you are a marketer, um, listening to this podcast, I think we've already given you a lot of tips and things you could share with people to get buy-in. Um, in terms of spending resources on marketing. It is important, and we'll continue to talk about why. So, okay, we're talking about marketing and fundraising and sharing your story, storytelling. How are all these things the same and or different? Um, There is overlap in marketing, fundraising, storytelling, but um, how are they the same? How are they different? I think it's, they're all tools, right? I mean, fundraising, um, marketing, storytelling, they, they're tools that can be used to get to a, a specific end, right? So if we were an advocacy organization, we could be using marketing to build an audience, to advocate for a specific thing, um, to and, encourage... And we do that a bit, but it's not our primary mission. Right. It's not our primary mission. And, you know, there are other organizations that do things like lobbying, right? Which That's all they do is 
build momentum around specific social issues for the purpose of changing the way that people think and behave around certain issues. So think of like, you know, vote Proposition 8 or whatever in your neighborhood. Uh, all of these types of kind of um, tools can be used for other things as well. We use our like marketing and fundraising tools for that that donor support, for that prayer support, and for, like you say, a little bit of advocacy. Um, but they're all just tools to help us get to a specific end goal. Yeah, and we'll jump into specifics here in a minute. Um, but generally, the idea here is, um, in terms of where marketing and fundraising overlap, you can't ask people for money if you don't have a vision that you can share with them. And if you're starting out, you can share things like your mission statement, um, and your goals and your five-year plan. Those are things that you probably work, <laughs> I hope, work really hard on internally. And they can be um, just changed up a little bit and shared with an audience, an external audience, to explain why you're doing what you're doing and to get that buy-in and to get support from an external audience. Um, the Lighthouse is now a pretty established organization. We're still young, but we're established. So what kind of things do you think it's important to share now? I think one of the things we focused on in this last year for sharing was about our um, our day-to-day work and our work culture, um, what it's like to be at the Lighthouse offices. You know, now that we have offices in the beginning, right, we were working out of, I was working out of my house uh, and just mentoring youth. And so it's really evolved since then. And so making sure that people understand what we're about and what the heart of the organization is from the staff out um, has been a really big focus. Um, we've also done a lot of the kind of behind the scenes things and in our newsletter that's sharing things that are really challenging that people can be praying for um, or specific like uh, request to donors saying, hey, we have this really specific need um, for this specific youth that we know you've been praying for. Would you consider jumping in here? Um, and yeah, we've we've shared stories, um, and specifically we've shared like victories, right, from from our youth and the things that they've overcome in the last year, and like letting people know that you know our our youth are really motivated to pursue healing and change for themselves, and we've just been able to kind of step in and help them do that and help them kind of keep their own momentum going and to share those like wins is really huge. We share them because people are supporting them in prayer and financially. And we want to let them know that they're really making a difference in their lives. Our our supporters are making a difference in the lives of our youth. And that's amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, I love earlier that you said we, when you were referring (laughs) to yourself in your house, (laughs) but, and you've always done that. Always done this. And I don't know where I got this and I guess you can elaborate a little more but yeah in the beginning I just lighthouse was a we uh, even if I was the only one doing the work because I knew I had a lot of donors and people supporting me so even though I was the the sole individual doing anything I had friends already you know volunteering to help with marketing and I had um, really good friends in the business kind of sector like looking over all of my five-year plans and tearing it apart and breaking my heart but it was really good for me um and so it was always a we it was always a we mm-hmm. uh, for me 
But from my side of things, my marketing brain, I think that really did add an air of professionalism Mm -hmm. to what you started doing at the beginning. Um, And from the beginning, we printed brochures in 2017, which is crazy to think about. And we, and we, you know, made sure the website was optimized and things like that. And, And we started sharing slowly on social media. And anytime Amanda would share about the lighthouse, she would talk about we. Mm-hmm. And I think investing in those little things as you start out and as you continue to grow can really make you look different. It, it just, it brings things up a notch. It, it professionalizes the work that you're doing, even if you're one person in a home office and it doesn't feel very glamorous. You, you can look glamorous and professional to the outside world and you can look appealing and you can look worth donating to. So, yeah. Good I've job. Always, I've <laughs> just always done it. But also like on, on the legal side of things and like if you've founded an, an NGO or a nonprofit, then you do have like a board of directors behind you and you do have this. So it, it is really important to make sure that you include all of those people in your communications. Mm-hmm. Um, because they are a part of making it legitimate. And so, I don't know, it just made sense to me at the time. I think it was a great move, and it was a great way to get people on board because they were joining something that was already mm-hmm. moving and already helping and already making a difference. Yeah. So take that little nugget of advice. I'm going to quickly go over the ways that we market and that we share our story. As I mentioned, we have a website. Um, I think websites are important. A website offers unlimited space just about for you to tell your story. It's required by law. Really? Yeah. Fun fact. You have to have a website. And I know for sure here in Latvia, you also have to have a website. So it's part of the application. Yeah. Check the laws for where you're getting started. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. So when you apply for like your nonprofit status, like one of the very first things that they ask is for that website Interesting. in both countries. Fun fact. We have a website and websites are great because they offer you a lot of space. You can create as many pages as you want to share about your mission, vision, um, have a page for your staff, your board, um, explain what you do, share photos, video, whatever you want on your website. I think it's a great all-in-one place to link everything you're doing. If someone is really interested, they should be able to find what they're looking for on your site. So um, as much information as you want, as long as it's organized well. Those are my my rules for a website. Um, and we've gone back and forth. We've scaled up our website, scaled down our website, redesigned our website like three times this year, and, you know, websites are important, even yeah. in 2023, um, when people are mostly finding out about you on social media, which is the next way that we market. And again, we mentioned this. Um, our organization is on Facebook and Twitter. No, our organization is on Facebook and Instagram. The Dry Ground Project is on Twitter. Um, and which social platforms you invest in and join are going to be should be up to where your audience is. Um, Our audience of donors is mainly on Facebook, and we have a lot of local support and interest here in Latvia, and those people are on Instagram. So those are the two social platforms we've chosen to focus on right now. If you're a really young, hip organization, you might be on TikTok. If you have a lot of um, interesting tidbits to share, maybe downloadable content or 
um, courses you're running, maybe you're on Pinterest, who knows. Um, but those are things worth looking into and doing some research to figure out where your audience is and what they're looking at and how they want to engage with you. So social media is another one. Mm-hmm. Um, newsletters, Amanda mentioned before, email newsletters are where we can be a little more candid in what we're sharing and share more, more of those personal stories of our youth um, because these are online, but they're not as public, not as promoted as the social media posts and website pages. Um, so we get really candid in our email newsletters, and we send those once a month generally. I, I think next year we'll focus, or this year, 2023, we'll fo- be focusing more on email moving forward. Um, you can start a podcast. You can make YouTube videos. You can share other kind of content. Um, the Dry Ground Project, right now we're talking about lighthouse transitional care. So in a way, we're sharing our story, the story of the lighthouse um, on a podcast. We are the lighthouse's first points of storytelling of promotion when I talk to friends and family about what we're doing that's what that's what marketing is in the very stripped down literal sense of it yeah and if you're in an organization where maybe you are um, kind of under leadership that maybe doesn't see the value in in marketing or in social media or things like that there are some great resources out there that talk a little bit about why it's important for nonprofits and churches to be invested in this um, kind of sphere. Um, one of them is called The Networked Nonprofit. I'd have to look up the author. but Yeah, that's a great book. Um, lately, I've been using a lot of resources from a, a nonprofit called Nonprofit Tech for Good, and they talk about all kinds of marketing and techie things that can help you promote and tell your story. Mm-hmm. Um, they have free webinars and paid webinars, great social resources, so check them out and we'll link them in the show notes. So we talked about ways we market and share our story and kind of the different ways. Um, One last thing I want to bring up before we move on to fundraising is about the, the respect piece for the people that we're working for. We work with young adults. um, So, you know, they're past 18. They're technically adults. We have them sign when they join our program, a contract and in the, the kind of the, fine print of the contract, it says that we are allowed to use their likeness um, for photo and video on social media, in printed materials on the website. Mm-hmm. Um, so we get permission in that way, and we talk about it. Um, to be even more respectful, um, I'll often ask youth if it's okay if I take their photo at a certain event, some, and some of them I just know are more open to photos and videos than others. Mm-hmm. Um, so online we do share photos of our youth um we try not to share really close-up portrait style photos we try to share candids um we like youth to be doing something um have it not just be all about them and how they're looking um we don't share full names we only use first initials and we keep that consistent through our newsletter and and other media like that um And it's just important to us to do that because our young adults are part of our program. They're working hard to heal. Their desire is really to be normal, quote unquote, in society and not looked at as a person who needs help. Mm -hmm. Um, So we try to respect that in their feelings. Do you want to say anything else about 
privacy and respect? Um, I think that we also like we honor the no, right? Like if a kid hasn't signed specifically that that it's okay if we use their photo, then we we honor that. So we share a lot, but not all of the youth that we've worked with are in those photos, right? We kind of keep them uh, safe in that way. And depending on who you're working with, safety could be a really big concern. Um, and it's important to navigate what you can and can't share uh, publicly. Oh, yeah. This is another important place to know what's legal and what's not. Yeah. And so like take that time to, to really research and understand and like, if you're not sure what's okay to share, ask the people you're working with, right? Like they have a say, an agency over their body, right? Um, if you're not working with children, then, you know, you should ask them. So like if you were working with domestic violence victims, maybe they never want their picture taken. That's not safe. So you have to find creative ways to share your story, either with your staff doing videos or graphics or whatever, uh, where you're not using the images of the, the people that you're working with. Yeah, exactly. Um Stock photography is is a bummer to have to use, but it can be effective depending on how you're using it. So yeah, check that out. I would encourage staff members of organizations to get comfortable putting their faces out there um, because short video is still trending mm-hmm. and we've seen great ROI on short video reels and potentially TikToks. So get out there, get over yourself, show your face, own it. (laughs) Own your face. Thank you for that wisdom. Who else owns your face besides (laughs) you? Besides you. Yeah. Okay, cool. So fundraising. Fundraising. We fundraise in all of the same places I just mentioned in terms of marketing. Mm -hmm. Um, But we see different, again, ROI in different spaces. Fundraising for us and for a lot of nonprofits I know has not been effective on social media. And that's why we view our social accounts as more of a place to share our story and get the benefit of staying connected with people. Um, Generally, we're seeing more success fundraising through email, whether that be our monthly update where we share exactly what our needs are or whether that be a one-on-one email from a staff member, usually Amanda, to high-level donors who we know are very invested and will give. Um, We have also, um, especially for Giving Tuesday, utilized online live events. Um, That's kind of something that we have made a tradition for Giving Tuesday. We will always go live. Um, It started in 2020 because of the pandemic, because we couldn't get back to the States to connect with our audience. Um, We hosted an all-night, almost 24-hour live event what are your memories of that time? Amanda? I don't know. I blacked out. It was um, intense. It was a lot. And yeah, we were we were up all night. It was cold and dark and we had a lot of snacks. Like I remember we ate so many snacks. Uh, and it was hilarious. And a and lot of fun. And effective. We raised and a effective. lot of money. We raised a lot of money because 10, I think people felt bad for us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think people were a little sad that we were up so late um but it was really fun and people were pretty engaged and uh it was it was really effective and i think other things that have been really effective on the fundraising side is is the in-person ask so this last in 2022 we were able to go back to the states and to build relationships and connections and 
if you're listening and you're like, okay, you're only getting money from these individual emails and these like personal um, asks, then why is it important to still share on social media? And I think it legitimizes your story. So those people that you're speaking with can go back and look and see like, oh my goodness, yeah, there's so much happening here. And it looks really fun to work there and really fun to be a part there. I want to, I really do want to be that involved. And so it just builds a foundation for that relationship that you're building in person as well. And I think both are really important and essential. So yeah, personal connections, church connections. Mm -hmm. Um, We're hoping to find more small business connections, or if you're a larger nonprofit, maybe you've tried corporate partnerships where you're partnering with large organizations um, and that's great grant writing of course is important for nonprofits we're in a little bit of a weird spot when it comes to grants because we are a nonprofit based in the US and working in Latvia over here in Europe um, grants are great if you're working in a local community and you have a lot of local foundations and organizations willing to fund you yeah. But grants still do make up a pretty small percentage of most nonprofits' funds. So it's it's just like diversifying that, your income. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. spending spending the time in, in all of those places to right. really be connected. Yeah, and I think there is definitely value in diversifying your funding sources so you're not relying on one large donor to make up the majority of your operating costs every year. Mm-hmm. Um it's a lot of pressure if you're fundraising like that once a year. It's it's better to have a diverse source of funding. So that's that's what we're moving toward. And in the end, it really is all about those relationships, whether you're DMing donors on social media, whether you're finding volunteers through Facebook, whether you're you know, having a meeting with a, a foundation to get a grant. It's all about relationships when it comes to fundraising and when it comes to sharing your story. So keep that in mind as you move forward. To end, we have some general tips for you when it comes to marketing and storytelling. The first one is um, like making things look nice. Uh, And I'm really a stickler for this. (laughs) I have a lot of opinions about how things should look. And I think it's because I grew up as an artist and we tend to have opinions about those types of things but it should look good and it should be easy to look at and it should flow and follow design rules Um, so if you don't think that that's your strength I highly recommend seeking the help of people that are just naturally good at that Um, because it really does make a difference I mean I get quite a few newsletters from different organizations and some of them I just struggle to look at and I I look at them because I know their content is is good and what they're doing is good but I really struggle to see the design um and that's just maybe don't judge a book by its cover but we all do it yeah and I agree it's hard for me to look at poor design um so the better you can make things look and sound the better Um, Again, you don't have to be an expert. There's so many people out there online. You can hire through websites like Fiverr, which is a Mm -hmm. freelancing platform, um, and other places. I'm sure you have a a friend in your life who likes designing and photography and has skills like these. So pull people in. And you don't have to be an expert. You just have to be authentic. 
um, yeah. sharing what is true and real for your organization is going to go really far. I don't put a lot of faith these days in people actually reading the book behind the cover. <laughs> um, so in your newsletters, in your social posts, I would say keep the words short. Mm-hmm. Let images and video kind of speak for themselves. This depends on your audience as well. I mean, age really does play into how a donor engages with material. So, you know, if I was talking to someone who's like my youngest sister's age, I need to send her like a 10 second video. It's how her brain works, right? But if I was going to send a newsletter to my grandmother, then I'm going to send her a written, you know, newsletter that's about a page and a half and she'll feel really included and she'll read the whole thing. So, um, know the trends for different age groups and who is engaging with your stuff and and make it fit yes your audience know your audience we talked about that in the beginning we're coming back around know your audience um another tip is track your data learn from numbers what works and what doesn't and um meta facebook and instagram make this really easy um, you can go into your analytics, see all your recent posts, see what has done well, clicks, engagement, all those things. Um, your email newsletter platform should also have um, tools to show you open rates and click-through rates, um, depending on your website hosting platform, same thing. Um, I recommend setting a calendar reminder to look at these regularly and think about what's working and what doesn't. Um, in 2023, we can't just shout into the void and hope people hear it. Um, the algorithms are working against us. Call to act- calls to action are often punished on algorithms, so use them sparingly when you really need them. Um, you can play around with boosting posts on social media. Sometimes a small amount of money can get you a lot of engagement, depending on what your goals are. Um, so knowing your goals is also important. Is your goal just engagement and getting your name out there? Do you really want people to click through and actually donate? Um, Establish those goals and then take the steps to meet them. And finally, don't be discouraged by lack of engagement, especially on social media, because as we mentioned, we use social media as a tool to share our story. Um, For The Lighthouse, that's not where we're looking to get donations. So, you know, even though you have these goals, maybe take some of the pressure off and, and have fun and just play around and see, see what people like, see what people think, and have fun. Anything yeah. else? No, that's pretty much, that's it. All that's right. marketing. That's marketing and fundraising and sharing your story. So good luck. Get out there and do it. We'd love to follow you. You can follow us at The Dry Ground Project on Instagram and at Dry Ground Proj on Twitter. So we'll see you on the social platforms. And um We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Bye. 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 Thanks so much for listening. The Dry Ground Project is hosted and produced by us, Callie Newton and Amanda Bannister. Music and production support by Aaron Newton. Sound production and design by Jonathan Nevis. Find us online at thedrygroundproject.org, on Instagram at thedrygroundproject, and on Twitter at drygroundproj. See you next time.